0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to For the Girls presenting For the World, our sustainability series focusing on everything motorsport and the environment. So the way that these series are going to work is for sustainability, I, Tiggy, am going to be bringing a sustainability topic to Chessa and Sarah every month that I'm particularly interested in. And they're going to do the same with me uh, with the Women in Diversity series. So we're going to do a little bit of fun trading of knowledge. Um, It's a good day for this episode because it's World Ocean Day at the UN, which is very exciting.
1: Well, I'm very excited, I think this is a topic that everyone wants to learn more about and it's not always super accessible so what are we learning about today Dr. Tiggy Tiggy.
0: (laughs) so today we are diving into everything sustainable fuels what in the world are they what's their relevance to F1 the feasibility of using sustainable fuel at scale outside the sport and then we're going to wrap up with the latest sustainability headlines so very exciting stuff
2: Okay, I'm so excited. So, first, what actually is drop in sustainable (laughs) fuel? Because I definitely kind of need the basics here.
0: (laughs) Yes, great, great question. So, the drop in part just means that it can literally be dropped into a standard internal combustion engine ICE car without having to change the underlying technology or components of the vehicle. So, that is the key to adoption outside the sport because once you start talking about having to change cars or change engines, that becomes a much taller order. So for the actual fuel, about 20% will be comprised of an oxygen-type fuel like ethanol, which is made from corn, other plant materials. Since we already have E10 fuel this season, which is 10% ethanol, scientists have kind of broached the learning curve in an F1 power unit for ethanol, which is great. The other 80% is going to be made up of much more complex molecules. So lots of different compounds are being tested and simulated. And as we talked about before, F1 is working with Aramco on that. And last year they tested around, I think, 40 different surrogate blends in a single cylinder F1 power unit already. Wow. So there's a lot of testing and things already going on. Um, and similar similar to like all the simulation work that is done in F1, this is also done with fuels. They have the ability to run digital simulations of different compounds now. Uh, Shell said that they work with Ferrari. They said in 2021, they did more than a million different simulations on different compounds. Of so fuel, if they've done 40
1: surrogate blends and a million simulations, like keep going over and over again, like are we up to the point where now – None of those have worked yet, or they're just like learning and adapting as they go.
0: I think they're learning and adapting. We'll get to this later on, but there's there's it's not clear what the best way or the best fuel is yet. So there's okay. definitely heavy r and d mode, lots of different fuel chemists <laughs> working on this. So, cool. The, the sustainable part of it, the fundamental key to that is that the fuels are made of hydrocarbon, hydrogen and carbon atoms, and where that carbon comes from is extremely, extremely important. So can it come from direct air capture, which is ideal? Can it come from algae, other plants, municipal waste, fats, oils? Like, What actually makes the fuel sustainable is that carbon cycle of development being neutral. So oh. the carbon captured to produce that fuel is the same quantity as the carbon emitted from the ICE when it's in use. So that's the big question: is where to source that carbon?
1: Okay, well that's very interesting. And I did not know that. So let's bring <laughs> this let's bring this back to F1. So I know we've talked a bit about why this is important. You know the 2026 regulations, logistics, all of that. And like we talked about in our interview with Kim and Kate at McLaren, there is a massive push in F1 right now to become carbon net zero by 2030 the 2026 regulations being a large factor in that. So as a reminder, the 2026 regulations, they mandate that the cars will run on sustainable fuels and the possible impact extends way beyond just, you know, the F1 race cars, all the logistics and transport of the materials from race to race. That's what makes up almost half of F1 emissions. So making that more sustainable using biofuels would also have a massive impact. And then of course, all the other mass market codes cars on the road every day. So then there's sustainable aviation fuel. So basically F1 would just be the first stepping stone for transforming a lot of the motorsport industry. And it would be a real leader in this. So super cool.
2: Yeah, there's a big push across the sport to think bigger than just race cars. So Toto had a quote in the FT article we posted last week saying, our technologies need to be utilized for the good of the world. The plan is to make an efficient yet High-performance fuel available at the pump stations, not a few liters of rocket fuel for F1 engines. Go, Toto. I really love that. And <laughs> well, you can't be a Harvard business professor without thinking of all the implications. <laughs> exactly. Great point. And this is kind of a big shift in F1 since the 60s through basically the 90s when it was really kind of a Wild West chemical lab for fuel. Whatever just went the fastest and produced the most energy was Fair game because there really wasn't kind of a consideration of F1 tech being used at scale outside the sport. So it basically really was like rocket fuel, super crazy chemicals that we don't see anymore now that safety and global warming have entered the chat. So (laughs) kind of think substances like benzene, methanol, acetone, even crazier things, which had to literally drain from the energy from the engine immediately after practice. And it races. Otherwise, the engine wouldn't have made it through the night, which is Imagine crazy. Imagine have one cars running on literal no-polish motor.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's insane.
2: Wild to think about. So Tiki was actually kind of developing these current day fuels. Like who's working on this big project?
0: Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And one thing I'll just say about the fuels back in the day, it was crazy. Crew members that handled the fuel literally had to wear fireproof hazardous material suits with full ventilators to make sure that they weren't inhaling fumes <laughs> and all of that. So, it was very different. But in terms of the fuel partners today, there are four companies that currently supply the grid. We have ExxonMobil supplying Red Bull and AlphaTauri, Petronas of course for all the Mercedes-powered cars. Alpine is uh, provided by Uh, BP subsidiary Castrol and then all Mm -hmm. the Ferrari powered cars use Shell and then of course there's Aramco which we mentioned they're the title sponsor of Aston Martin and also the company working closely with F1 on its sustainability targets in this regard so they're the fuel supplier for the F2 and F3 championships this year which use a currently 55% sustainable fuel so they're kind of pushing the envelope on that development which is exciting and can I ask a question? Yeah so if
1: we get towards this like amazing, perfect, sustainable fuel, like the one that Aramco is working on right now, what happens to all? Like, is F one still going to have all these different different fuel providers? Or are they all going to come together? How is that going to work?
0: Yeah, so that's part of the challenge and the opportunity. Is right now F one kind of has to write the regulations so that they're incentivizing competition so that we get the best fuel, but also not allowing one team to completely run away with the seasons if they do it right. So I think there will still continue to be the opportunity for a lot of different fuel companies to work with different teams, but Aramco is the exclusive partner to F1 as an organization. Okay. Interesting. If that makes sense. Um, But at each of these companies, these oil companies, there are tons of fuel chemists developing the fuels alongside F1. And so, yeah, that's kind of what we were just talking about is there's there's a lot of potential for healthy competition and hopefully figuring out what the, what the best fuel is. But in terms of constraints, I think there's a lot of freedom to actually develop these fuels. The main constraints really are one, obviously being from sustainable sources or feedstocks as they're called in the industry. And then Two, those sources can't compete with food sources, so oh. they can't be on an edible food chain. Um, and the chief technology officer of F1, Pat Simmons, who is working on developing these fuels, his, he says their kind of slogan is, you can make fuel out of potato peelings, but not out of potatoes. So you have to be you know, mindful of not actually competing with food sources, which is really an important part of it.
1: Yeah, that's a cute little tagline yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah there is example of of the mercedes biofuels so like we said they're working with Petronas. last summer they cut emissions from race trucks in in europe by 90 percent in 22 using biofuels investing in sustainable aviation fuel etc and they just announced that they'll be using biofuels this spring and summer for the european season refueling with biofuels and targeting a 60 percent reduction in emissions so it's cool to see like Everyone's working towards it, but it's already cool to see it happening like in season, and we'll, we'll see a little bit of it happening.
0: Totally. Yeah, I think that's one of the big reasons I'm such a Mercedes fan. Obviously, I love Lewis and their drivers and the team as a whole, but their focus on sustainability, I think, is really, really great. Um, and one thing I'll just say on the sustainable aviation fuel push is it's probably actually the most talked about sustainable fuel application outside of F1 a lot of companies and organizations are thinking about that. We'll get into the Delta news (laughs) later on. Um, But it's supposed to reduce emissions by 75% or more compared to the lifecycle emissions of jet fuel. And Mercedes is actually the first global sports team to invest in it. So that is super exciting. Um, And it's a big, big chunk of the emissions pie. So I'm hoping that they they can help move the needle on some of that.
1: I mean, it's cool to see this happening with aviation and there's all these case studies where it seems to be going really well, but I think like anything that's happening in the world these days to get it from like a small to a large scale, so like 20 or so race cards to actually like every car in the street, like what are the challenges we think this can actually happen?
0: Yeah, there are tons of challenges. It is quite a difficult thing to do at scale. It's a very new technology, so there are a lot of different ways to produce fuels to do a lot of these things, but no one is totally sure the best way yet. Of course, there's the economics of it, the cost factor, digging into the ground, burning oil, producing fossil fuels has definitely become the cheapest way to power our society. It also happens to be the worst for the environment, but it's a very hard shift to get people to do something that's more expensive, at least in the short term. Um, So there's also this term called EROI, which is the energy return on investment, which basically is a ratio for the measure of energy produced in relation to the energy used to create it. And right now, creating sustainable fuel takes much more energy than the fuel actually provides. So Whoa. it's it's a challenge and you need to have a lot of renewable energy to do that. And that's the big first step and the fundamental part of all of this. So F1 definitely has a reliance on the renewable energy industry, all the companies and organizations figuring that out for this actually to be impactful. So I would say that's a big, big challenge um, and somewhat outside of F1's control, but then there's also direct air carbon capture, which we won't dig into because that's super complicated. That's but it's <laughs> it's something that needs to be proven at scale because right now, fuel derived can this from this can be almost four to five times more expensive than a barrel of crude oil. So it's much more expensive right now than, you know, the typical way and the harmful way of doing things. But personally, I'm optimistic about it. I don't think it's going to happen overnight, but there's already been huge strides and there will be It will be huge in the transition from ICEs to electric in that same uh, Financial Times article that we just quoted Toto in. Toto also said that, yes, the world is moving towards electric mobility, and there's no doubt about that. We'll soon see all of us traveling electric in an urban environment in affluent cities. That will eventually expand all over the world, but he basically goes on to say, and I agree with this that there's going to be a really long transition period of the quote mass market of cars that we need sustainable fuel for like not electric is not going to be feasible or realistic in the short term for a lot so that's yeah definitely I mean I important. think there's
1: always like there's a lot of things in the r and d world like basically. All the world's problems are being solved and/or have been solved in the R and D world, but no one knows about it because the amount of money, energy, politics—just so much goes into play to getting it out there. But I think when you're able to like sit down and realize, okay, what are going to be the really, really pivotal in pivotal institutions that can like make this happen? It's like okay, F one, you would never think of like the FIA being the people that are going to change the world when it comes to this, but there's a lot of money in F1. People are very committed. And if the FIA puts a stake in the ground and they're like, there will be no F1 unless the cars are X, Y, Z, then it's going to happen. And then you'll have it and you'll, be able, and you'll be able to move forward with it. So I think it's actually really, really cool this is happening. And uh, it might just seem kind of like greenwashing or like lip service that they're doing this to kind of like appease the people who are interested in this. But I do think if done right, and Tiggy, I think you've given us a lot of really good information. It sounds like they're doing a really good job. I'm super excited to see how this plays out.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about it when we get to the news with Honda shortly. But part of it is just bringing in these massive manufacturers, right? And so there are synergies between what they develop in F1 and then what ends up in the road cars. So that's that's super important. And yeah, I'm definitely not naively optimistic about the challenge of that. Like the US oil majors just had their annual meeting and Exxon Mobil's only 11% of their shareholders voted to be in line with any sort of sustainability goals in line with the, the Paris nice. targets. <laughs> so there's a long way to go. There are a lot of minds to change and it's not going to be an easy path. But yeah, I do think F1 plays, plays a big role in that. So just to wrap up this mini-sode, we're going to give you some of the latest sustainability headlines. So, yeah, related note, we wanted to start with Honda's announcement that it's returning to the sport and will be partnering with Aston Martin for their power units because there is a big sustainability angle to it. It was much quoted by Honda that the main reason that they've chosen to come back is that the 2026 regulations are focused on electrification and sustainability, they were quoted saying that the clean tech synergies with their own road car production and how it dovetails with their sustainability goals was a big driving factor in their choice to return. So again, that really just is the positive power of F1 taking the lead on this, the benefits of the 2026 regulations, getting huge manufacturers involved that really have the power to make scalable change outside the sport. So super exciting.
2: Very cool. And my favorite kind of rumor that isn't going to happen but is still my favorite rumor um Sebastian Vettel is rumored to have been offered the role of F1 sustainability manager apparently in Monaco he was spotted in the paddock he met with all his old teams a variety of kind of other F1 representatives and there were tons of rumors that he's been offered this role they've since been walked back articles have been taken down with some sources saying those talks never happened that the offer wasn't actually made, but it's super interesting. Regardless, everyone would love to see Seb back in F1 in any capacity, but especially in that one, I would love that.
0: That would be yeah, the dream. Yeah, even if that doesn't
1: happen, yeah, <laughs> even if that doesn't happen, he'll be doing something. Um, that's really cool. And another news article that we posted on our Instagram this week—it's not directly related to F1, but it's definitely very um, relatable and it signals an important lesson for all of these companies and organizations that are aiming towards carbon neutrality um, and achieving that at least in part through carbon offsets, where basically companies purchase carbon credit or the right to emit more carbon if they invest in green programs. So last week, Delta was sued in California in a class action lawsuit for, quote, greenwashing based on the belief that Delta's statements of being the first carbon neutral airline and encouraging customers to pay more based on those claims was false and misleading. So we'll have to see how it plays out. But the underlying issue is around the offset market, which is known to have definitely less than accurate accounting and exaggeration practices because it's just like so spread out. There's so many different ways of doing it. Um, So this will be interesting to see how it plays out, especially um, with F1, too. They could probably take a lot of lessons from this.
0: Yeah. And it all comes full circle with the sustainable aviation fuel because Delta issued a statement after after the news broke that they fully transitioned their focus away from carbon offsets and toward decarbonization of their actual operations. So investing That's in better. sustainable aviation fuel. Yeah. Things that are a bit more direct rather than smoke and mirrors. Um, at some point, we'll talk a lot more about the carbon offset program. But uh yeah super super interesting very excited to see how that case plays out because i think it will kind of set a precedent for a lot of these companies and organizations pushing towards that like you can't you can't just pay lip service or as we were saying greenwash a lot of this like consumers and people are definitely paying attention and taking notes and want to see receipts so to wrap up just a couple of recent and uh upcoming events so The Jakarta Formula E Pre just took place this past weekend. We will definitely at some point do a deep dive on Formula E, Extreme E. We'll talk more about those series, but just a quick note on Jakarta because it is very relevant to climate change right now. Um, they have been, Jakarta has been in the news a lot lately as almost half of the city is actually below sea level now, both due to rising oceans and also the fact that a lot of the inhabitants have been digging illegal wells for access to clean water, which has caused the city to effectively sink. So much so that the president has proposed moving the capital of Indonesia to a different city. So much more to read on that in the news if you're interested. But yeah, it's, it's pretty wild and you know the fact that Formula E is racing in Jakarta it just kind of brings all of this together, and I sadly think there's more of this type of news to come <laughs> for other cities and around the world. But in brighter news, the Green Tech Festival, founded by none other than Nico Rosberg, is happening from June 14th through 16th in Berlin. It has lots of speakers and events centered around sustainability. They also have a student pass that's a lot cheaper than regular tickets if you're a student and in the area. There's also going to be one in Los Angeles at some point this year, so maybe we'll try and attend that. But if anyone in Europe is going to the Berlin one this month, please let us know how it is. And with that, thank you guys so much for joining this installment of For the World, our new sustainability series. We'll be back soon with more on various sustainability topics. But in the meantime, let us know if there's anything in particular you want to hear about.